Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary contexts, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the podcast, it's 2018, and we're wrapping up... uh, rest of uh, the Advent and Christmas season here by talking about uh, Anna and uh, Simeon and they're Mm. hanging out in the temple. That's right. Let's do that. Um, So I didn't get to talk uh, much about the purification rites and consecration um, that happened regularly at the temple. And so I just wanted to talk just a bit about that. Um, You know, at day eight, uh, Jesus would have been circumcised, um, as was their custom. And, um, you know, the question could be asked, why did Jesus have to be circumcised? Because this is Jesus. (laughs) But Jesus went through everything that we would have gone through, or the people at the time would have gone through. He didn't... um, um, Now, you could say Mary and Joseph didn't know. Yeah, they did. Um, But he did everything that that the people at the time did in terms of of the the Jewish law um, so as not to uh, get to to a point where people said, well, you aren't a one of us. He very much was. So at day eight, he would have been circumcised. Um, And then at day 40, um, his parents took him to the temple. Um, and that the purification was obviously for Mary, because uh, having given birth, and this this just continues to crack me up. Um, that would have been a a, a sinful act in a sense, um, a, a, an act that certainly needed purification because of of bloodshed there. Um, so that. That was Mary's purification after 40 days. Um, and and then um, she had to bring a, a, an offering um, to the... Um, um, uh, to the temple, and it was. Uh, it's interesting because uh, there were several things that people could bring based upon their wealth or lack thereof. And uh, we always talk about the fact that uh, Joseph and Mary um, uh, brought a pair of turtle doves or or two young pigeons. And um, that meant that they were poor, but people who were in abject poverty brought uh, fine flour. So they weren't at the, you know, they weren't at the very bottom of the socioeconomic. They weren't, they weren't dirt poor, as we would say, but they were poor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, you know, it just kind of gives us a perspective of, of where they were. And, And when you think about I always think about this, that (laughs) Joseph was of the house and line of David, a king. Um, Now it had been, you know, how many hundreds of years Mm -hmm. after David. But this guy, Joseph was in, he had royal blood, and he was poor. (laughs) Isn't that, you know, I just, I don't know why I find that interesting. I I don't know if there's anything else that we know about that or need to know. But, um, uh, you know, today, of course, I guess today, 400 years after somebody is, is uh, 
in the line, maybe they would have, you know, it would have distilled. Uh, and and if they weren't in the direct line, maybe. But anyway, just just that was just one of my something that I found interesting, and, and uh, I always think about. So once again, why did they have to do this? This is the mother of the Savior. Um, and Jesus was was brought to the temple, consecrated because he was the the oldest uh, male child, and that's kind of a nod, not just kind of. It is a nod to um, uh, the the days of the uh, Passover uh, when the firstborn uh, were uh, were uh, were killed. And so, anyway, uh, that's kind of those are kind of the interesting points about the consecration and um, the purification. You guys have anything else to say about that before I move on? No. Okay. That's uh, just keep moving. I'll just keep moving. <laughs> just keep moving. I'm, I'm moving. Um, and then we go into an interesting uh, piece. Um, uh, Simeon. Uh, talks about the rising and falling of that Jesus would cause the rising and the falling of many, and uh, and they talk about the redemption of the world, and um, one of the things that I read and was interesting is that all three of these words, rising, falling, redemption, all uh, end with the suffix sis in Greek, uh, and that. That that conjugation means a continuing, ongoing process. So it's continuing to rise and fall and redeem. Um, and I was trying to think back, but I can't think back that far to my Greek days and, and remember the, uh, and probably both of you remember uh, how to conjugate Greek <laughs> verbs. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I all I remembered is that it wasn't the aorist because the aorist is just past. Um, but there's a, a form. Do you remember that, Isaac? Mm, aorist uh, tense means continuing on and on, doesn't it? I believe so. I'd have to get me on I, the spot here. But. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I, well, I, I refer to that aorist tense, and in, in, in sometimes, particularly in the New Testament, and aorist tense means not only today, but tomorrow and the next day, and it's a continuing process. Okay. Well, then you remember your Greek better than I do. That's the that tense. may be the only thing I remember about Greek, but I remember because <laughs> I love that aorist tense of the well, verb when we talk about transforming and we talk right. about, yeah. Okay, so that's what it is, friends. Randy Raisey to the rescue. Um, maybe. At least that's what Randy Raisey thinks it is. And I, I do love that tense of the verb because mm-hmm. we see that a lot in Scripture. And we miss that when we translate it, that into English because it means more than it happened. It means it happened, it's happening, and it continues to happen. Mm-hmm. And so the um, the rising, falling in redemption uh, means that Jesus continues uh, to cause those who are are put down to be ris- to rise up. And one of the translations of that verb uh, actually is resurrection, to be resurrected. And we don't mean that in a sense of you're dead and and although we do know that that's going to happen too, but. Um, uh, it it means that those who uh, who think uh, that they are just nobodies to anybody um, will be lifted up, and those who uh, are are in power or think they're in power 
are are brought down, and the redemption didn't happen just once. He continues mm-hmm. uh, to redeem us, mm-hmm. um, and and I I think about that in terms of even my own life when I when I feel like um, you know, man, I've I'm 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 not keeping up with uh, uh, with uh, my spiritual life. I'm I'm getting dry or whatever, and and uh, I and I think you know where's my attitude, and I think God continues to redeem me through Jesus Christ, and that's just I just love that a continual process of redemption. Yeah, I, yeah. I think of the I I think of the heiress tense probably relative as much as anything to uh, to salvation. I have a book on my shelf called. Uh, from Wesley's perspective called going on to salvation, that it's a process. Uh, We often identify salvation uh, as a saving moment or experience and think, well, once that's done, that's done, but that really is not done at that moment in time. But it's a continuing process the rest of our lives until until, uh, we transition into the the next life, that process of, of, of... uh, being saved or redeemed over and over again and being transformed over and over again um, and uh, that's uh, that's the value of that heiress tense that I see is that it really gives us a clearer understanding um, having grown up in um, several several different um, um, what do I want to say religious cultural backgrounds <laughs> uh, all the way from the presbyterians to the baptists to the southern baptists to uh united church of christ united church of christ to the methodists to uh, uh to god, assemblies of god to charismatic independent uh you know it uh that sense of uh that uh, even today I'm still in the process. Oh, yeah, even absolutely. today I'm still on that journey. Even today I'm still learning and growing every single day to learn what it means to be remade, what it means to be made a new creature, what it means to be transformed uh, in a continuing kind of uh, continuing kind of emotion, I guess. So, yeah, um, I worry about. Sometimes it's people in the church, we in the church, who are uh, the most difficult when it comes to um, looking at our faith anew, because um, I know that. I know that. I know that. I've grown up in the church. I know that. I've learned that. I know that. Um, and, And we have to somehow see it from a fresh perspective and say, I knew that. Uh, but do I know that in my heart, and can I accept it in a deeper way than mm-hmm. I've ever done before? Mm-hmm. So can I grow into that? Um, that's why I like to read different translations of Scripture, because I can get um, stuck and and find myself uh, reading a familiar passage in a familiar way <laughs> and not slow myself down enough to get it as if I'm reading it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so if I, if I read it from a different translation um, and it's not quite as familiar to me, then I, I can snap myself out of that and, and see it in, from a fresh perspective. So, um, so anyway, that, that whole rising and falling um, and redemption. I just wanted us to think about that because uh, it, this hit especially during the time in which it is bitter, bitter cold. 
and um, there are so many homeless and many of the homeless not certainly not all but many of the homeless are um, are mentally ill in some way and so I have a hard time holding down a job or or figuring things out in terms of how to get housing and that kind of stuff some are um, uh, have issues with drug and alcohol um, and certainly not all you know don't hear me say everybody that's homeless uh, is in one of these two situations but you know, in in our society today, I almost think that those are the people, some of the people, that we see as um, as low. Um, um, it, it may not be those who have particular illnesses. I used to think that it was the people who had HIV, AIDS, but I think that we see people um, uh, who have drug and alcohol problems, see people who uh, have mental illnesses that we don't understand. And uh, we may be a little afraid of them and, and not know what to do. And uh, those are the very people that Jesus came and said, no, they're first. Mm-hmm. You're not. <laughs> you religious people that think you've got it all together. You're not the first ones they are. So anyway, that kind of hit me this year. Okay. Um, anything else on those things? Well, are you going to talk about Simeon and Anna anymore, or are you uh, headed in a different direction? I'm heading in a new direction, unless you want to say something more about Simeon and Anna, which I love those stories. Well, in in my mind, I was thinking about the time that Simeon spent in the temple. Mm hmm um, uh, but I was also thinking about the time Anna spent mm-hmm. in the temple. And, of course, my mechanical mind thinks, well, I wonder if she spent early morning to late at night at the temple, um, how she provided for herself, because she had been married only seven years when her husband died. And so in that tradition, if they had children, they would have taken care of her and allowed her to do that. Or if he was maybe a man of... Wealth or means, maybe that was a way. Um, but it sounds like such a wonderful, wonderful lifestyle. But I'm wondering what all she had to go through to be able to do that, uh, and and to do that for as long as evidently she had done that. The same thing with uh, uh, with Simeon. Although I think maybe I don't I don't remember that he spent every minute of every day in the temple. Um, but, but I was just curious about that. And I've not found anything. You said that Sunday. There's not much information on them. There isn't. And um, I, I, I've done some looking to see once, uh, but I can't find anything really um, that tells me any more about that. But I just thought the level of commitment that took. Um, I was, um, for some reason, I ended up back in Genesis with uh, Jacob and Esau this morning and was just reading and and. Uh, thinking about how God oftentimes spoke to people. Um, angels spoke to people. Um, sometimes wondering if, uh, if we're so hard of hearing today that he's no longer doing that. Um, I'm getting ready to preach next Sunday from Micah. And, uh, you know, the... Uh, Part of the uh, part of the pieces there were that the the, the children of Israel had uh, become so perfunctory in their sacrificial duties and things, but they had lost all sense of reality, all sense of reason behind that. Just simply, well, I'm plugging in my lamb for the day so that I'm taken care of and I can go do what mm-hmm. I want. Um, 
these two people had a, had a heart that God had given them that brought that to a different level. Um, well, now, what, what part it played, maybe it was an affirmation to Mary and to Joseph that they needed to hear. Uh, maybe it was an affirmation to those who were in the temple that needed to hear that. Uh, because we don't hear them again in the life of Jesus after this. So we don't know what, uh, what exactly their purpose was other than it gave testament or testimony to the fact that this indeed was the child, and they seemed to know that when Mary and Joseph went into the temple. So I just always have more questions that I have answers. And well, and we have to be careful about. I mean, we can we can read about um, how people in the temple were cared for, um, and Anna or Hannah. Um, I was thinking about Hannah earlier when you were talking about people being in the temple, but um, Anna would have been. Um, she was a widow, and so um, she didn't. She was again lowly, uh, and and people had to take care of her. Um, because she didn't have anything. I don't. She was married seven years. It doesn't say anything about having children. We don't know that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't say anything. Well, again, so it comes assuming. to the questions we'll never know. Right. But it was just and an just, interesting a, little drop of some people into the story someplace, trying to sort. And this out. is a a time when I like to warn people to um, to not add to the scriptures. Um, uh, people will say, "Well, we know this about Anna." Well, we know this maybe about widows in that day, but we don't know anything else about Anna other than what we read in those verses. We don't need we don't know anything else about Simeon except what we read in those verses. So I'm always a little skeptical when people uh, go beyond the scriptures and and uh, do things like oh, let's say naming the wise men, uh, but. <laughs> Sorry, that's a whole nother. Both Isaac and Randy are rolling their eyes. Don't let her go there. So I'm not. Um, but when we when we look at Simeon and Anna, all I keep thinking of is that they were, and I said this in the sermon, because they were in the temple, not just hanging out in the temple, but praying and fasting and and uh, and tuning themselves into God's uh, voice. Uh, they that's how they recognized this child that's how they recognized who jesus was because they were tuned in and and i think randy that god does still speak um in the same ways that he spoke before um god has spoken to you before i've heard you talk about that god's spoken to me uh in an audible sense uh i haven't heard god's voice um uh, in an audible sense but i've certainly heard God's um, direction in a pretty, pretty strong ways. Um, I remember uh, we were building, we were uh, in one of my churches, we had uh, run out of space and we were overflowing and we were trying to figure out ways to remodel and we were landlocked and there was no way to remodel, kind of like the old Calvary on Jersey. And um, I just prayed and prayed about it, and it was very clear to me that we needed to relocate. And no pastor ever wants to go through that. That's a lot of work. And when we went to vote, and it was a very emotional time because people didn't want to leave that church they'd always been in, um, some of the folks said, Debbie, why are you so sure? And I said, I can't explain this other than to say that I 
I have just felt God speaking to me that this is what we have to do. And if I could have chosen anything else, I would have. But I really felt that God was speaking to me. So I think that God, I mean, that's just one instance where I was trying to convince others. Uh, this is why I'm, I'm where we are. So, And I think all of us could describe something like that um, if if we weren't spacing out Randy's, Randy's just kind of looking at the ceiling. Yeah, you know, I think that's what I think that's what Luke is trying to, to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is trying to point to and say, you know, through this you know narrative device of a of a birth narrative, you know, which is a very kind of specific way to tell a story, you know, in the first and second century. Um, I don't think he's so concerned about you know what what's Anna's background, what's Simeon's background, other than. That it that it pushes us toward you know the realization that this person that uh, that he's presenting to us and Jesus is uh, something unique you know in human history that he's above uh, any uh, other kind of political ruler at the time his his birth is just as legitimate in mm-hmm. terms of its uh, lineage in terms of its justification of power you know as as any of these other kinds of births of Caesar or uh, any other kinds of you know rulers of the day, and so he's you know he's using all of these great kind of literary techniques to point us to um, you know what's happening. Certainly, he's not sitting there like a court stenographer going, and now Jesus entered the temple, yeah, ten twenty seven p.m. you know or a.m. or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Like there's this is not a um, it's not like if oh if we could just get behind the text and see what really happened, you know. The, there, there's not a difference there in terms of it's not about uh, um, you know how many footsteps did it take to get in there. It's Luke telling us that the temple validates Jesus, that um, the tradition of uh, Israel itself is validating Jesus, that all of these things are happening in ways that uh, are, are much bigger than just the kind of feet on the ground, you know, kind of minutia uh, of the whole deal. And, uh, you know, Luke takes the time to do that, um, whereas some of the other gospel writers don't do it quite that right. that same way. And so, you know, why is Luke telling us that? Why why is this important uh, to him, you know, to include it? And, you know, I think that's, yeah, we've hit those points already, but, you know, it's kind of, you know, to, to, to be careful of adding, but to be careful of, you know, missing right. <laughs> intent as well, I think right. is always, mm-hmm. always good. Right. That's good. Um, you know, one last thing, and, and we don't have time to get into this uh, very far, but as um, uh, Simeon and Anna were in the temple and as they were uh, praying and, and waiting for the coming of the Messiah, um, we too are waiting. Um, we are in uh, this awesome season, and I'm so glad that we get to be here in the season of of having Jesus um, uh, among us uh, as a risen Savior, and also uh, leaning forward and awaiting his coming again. So um, while we can say, oh, yay, you know, uh, he's come, he has come, and he is here, and that's a lot to celebrate, but he's also coming again. And, uh, and, and typically, and I think I've said this before, typically we preach on that the first Sunday of Advent, and this year uh, we didn't use the, the lectionary to, to do that. But um, so just, uh, just yeah. think about the fact that uh, 
uh, we're not done. The story is certainly not completed, and uh, we too have a time of waiting, and I'm and I'm excited about that time of waiting, which is not just sitting back and folding our arms like we might do in a grocery line, uh, but um, waiting, uh, an active waiting, leaning in to who God is, who Jesus is, and leaning into uh, into that future. So we'll talk more about that another time. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, I, I could take us down several rabbit trails there <laughs> that, uh, that, that interest me. Uh, uh, one of them is who's in the temple today waiting mm-hmm. and fasting and praying. Mm-hmm. Is the anticipation level yeah. as high today uh, as it was back then? Or is it desired as much today as that? I mean, those folks really were banking on that coming of the Messiah. I, I wonder if we're banking on the coming of, of the second coming. But again, I don't know where the music is, but I would guess it's getting close. And if we go down that road, yeah. we may have to find another day to sing another tune. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yep, that music is up. It's going. It's 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 snuck it's rounding in. Rounding us out. It's snuck in right as you were right as you were saying that, Randy. It's weird how that happened. Yeah, I bet. Um, <laughs> really weird. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're, we're glad that you guys uh, are uh, listening today. And uh, if you have questions or comments to add to the discussion, we'd love to talk with you about that. You can do that on uh, Facebook or uh, email or website, however you want to find us. We will uh, we'll be there. And we'll be back next week uh, with a deeper dive into, uh, I believe, Isaiah uh, 60. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I remembered that correctly. Then. <laughs> Isaiah okay. 60, 1 through 1 6. 1 through 6, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I was Hopefully. talking about Micah. That's I'm preaching on that several weeks down the road, and that's what I've that's been working on. That's why I yeah. kind of took a, a second, well, yeah, <laughs> a second hiccup there. But yeah. okay, okay, good. Isaiah, well, that's, that's excellent. We'll be, we'll be back <laughs> next week. I have to talk about that. Until then, grace and peace.